Hey everybody, on today's episode of Still To Be Determined, we're gonna be talking about how it's not the heat, it's the humidity. As usual, I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer, I write some sci-fi, I write some stuff for kids, including my most recently released, The Sinister Secrets of Singe, which is available at bookstores everywhere. With me, as always, is my brother, Matthew. He is that Matt from Undecided with Matt Farrell, which takes a look at emerging tech and its impact on our lives. And Matt, how are you doing today? Doing well. Won't go into all the details. I'm a little exhausted right now because I had a long day yesterday. But also, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, how my smart home had failed me, Mm -hmm. where like I had been setting it up and it kind of imploded and had to reset it up. It's all working now. (laughs) Cross your fingers, it keeps working. But also my house is now technically done, finally. We've been Mm. doing lots of fine-tuning, and the HVAC team came and finished out the HVAC system. Uh, The ERV had to be fixed. The the, the circuit board had been damaged somehow. But everything is now working, and I am so (laughs) relieved that it's over Uh, would be an understatement. So it's a good day. It's a good day. Well, congratulations on that. That's quite... uh... It's a long haul. You've been doing yes. this for years now. And yeah. I'm I'm sure there's a sense of relief that is just awe-inspiring right now. So yep. congratulations. <laughs> Before we get into our conversation about Matt's most recent episode, which is taking a look at a means of producing electricity from humidity, which sounds, I mean, snake oil, anybody? Yeah, (laughs) it sounds pretty strange, but we'll get into that in a moment. Before we do, I wanted to share some comments from our more recent episode. Matt's most recent episode prior to this is a geothermal heat pump worth it. The comments continue to come in on this video from two weeks ago, like this one from Techmaster Joe, who wrote in to say, I have a ground floor condo, so I have limited options because of the homeowners association. But I have made some changes. I replaced a 27-year-old central air unit with resistive heat with a three-head mini split system, 22-seer inverter variable heat pump setup. Replaced my washer-dryer units with a single GE ultra-fast combo. It has a heat pump. And replaced the electric coil top stove with an induction stove and updated with LED lighting everywhere. I did all this in just a week after getting a $540 electric bill for a 708 kilowatt hour usage as the rates at my locations are, and I love this line, the rates in my location are stupid. (laughs) I still have one last thing to change, and that's the fridge. But this past month, my bill was $167. Wow. And we only used 173 kilowatt hours for the month that a family of four in an 1100 square foot condo that only really eats at home and generally has two to three loads of laundry per day two to three loads of laundry per day is a lot so i'm imagining in this family of four you have at least one small child because that sounds like loads of laundry that are like okay baby's ready oops spilled the juice got to do some laundry oops spilled the juice again more laundry that's yeah that sounds to me like this is a this is a filthy toddler running about this home, but <laughs> staggering numbers. I mean, I really like yeah. this jumped out at me $540 for an electric bill in one month. Yeah, it's followed by 167 just by 
updating like the simplicity of a 27 year old central air unit replacing something that this isn't even like a house that's looking at like oh this thing's been here since the 1950s 27 years old is the 1990s yeah that's not so yeah that's not that old considering like what era we're talking about but replacing that and these other things and suddenly having a savings of almost $400 per month, these things will pay for themselves in a year, very quickly, a year, a year and a half. I mean, that's just, maybe two. that's just astounding. <laughs> yeah. So like, I wanted to share that comment and get your, get your thoughts on it. I was going to say that the, the price he's paying per kilowatt hour is bananas. Um, it's, it sounds like he's somewhere in California. I don't think he said where he is. But he I'm does not guess say where he is. Yeah. I bet he's in California. Uh, here in Massachusetts, on a recent video of mine, somebody commented that they questioned my math on how much I was going to save on my geothermal system, where yeah. it was like when I was comparing systems, it was like a $1,000 gap um, in between like an air source heat pump that I was looking at versus this ground source. And it was like, and they tried to crunch the math to figure out like, yeah what it was and they were they were pulling random average kilowatt hours for around the country yeah and i was like you can't do that it's like i'm in massachusetts i'm paying around 30 cents or more per kilowatt hour yeah it's like he's probably paying 40 cents or something ridiculous yeah so it's like when you live in an area where electricity prices are high these kind of changes make a massive difference and i I love seeing the example of how drastic a difference it can make that's incredible yeah, incredible. And what you just said ties right into the other comment I wanted to pull that was recently left on that same video. This one from James Metzger, who wrote in to say someone in the field, meaning the field of putting in geothermal uh, heat mm-hmm. pumps, someone in the field told me vertical wells are cheaper than horizontal. And this, I, as soon as I read that, yeah, I went back yeah. to our old mantra, the right tool for the right job context is key in this i can only imagine yeah vertical might be cheaper if you're digging into sediment that is consistent to a massive depth and nobody has to worry about hitting something but somebody else like you might go down six feet and hit a massive granite ledge and somebody else (laughs) and and then suddenly you're talking about explosives as opposed to somebody else who can go yeah. down for 60 feet and never worry about hitting anything but shale. Uh, yeah. So it's, it really is context is key. And that goes back to what you just said about the electric prices across the country and across the world, not being equal. Everybody needs to be able to have guidance effectively in evaluating their own context and understanding if I pull the switch on putting in solar or a heat pump or more insulation, what does that do for me in the context in which I live? And that is going to come up more in the uh, newest video that we're going to be talking about in a little bit, which is how do you, how do you produce electricity using humidity? Well, you're not going to be doing that in, certain parts of the world where the humidity is just simply not going to be high enough. One thing I'd want to add to that about the context is key. I have a water furnace geothermal system and I've talked to water furnace, uh, about costs of systems like versus mine. And some of the information they gave me was shocking. 
the cost of my system, you know, like in my video, I talked about it was like $78,000 just for the basic HVAC system and the, plus the drilling and all that stuff. A similar system in Indiana, $38,000. So it's like, this is why I kept saying in that video, where you live, your price could be very different from mine. Yeah. <laughs> like, so do not take my it's the old tagline. Right. It's the old yep. tagline from commercials. Prices may vary. Yeah. Yeah. Location, labor costs, all that kind of stuff really factors in. Um, so it's, you, you can't just look at one source. You have to look at dozens and see where it's going to be in your region to figure out what it might actually cost you. The expertise and the availability of expertise in the market from contractors who put these things in. If you have one person in your town who knows how to put in that kind of system, that person can charge whatever they like. If oh, you've yeah. got a hundred people in your town who know how to put in that system, prices will go down. That is simple capitalist economics. Availability of the parts, availability of the shipping costs of getting something. If it's being produced on a coastal city and you live somewhere in the middle of the country, you're going to be paying for transportation costs that somebody who lives in the coastal side isn't going to be paying. So all of these things play a part. So it's, it's all context, 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 and research. And, you know, I appreciate the comments from people who are like, oh, I know a guy. That's mm -hmm. great that you know a guy. Like, and if you know a guy who's in that business and they're an expert, rely on that. But when we play the game of telephone and, oh, I heard from a friend yeah. who has a brother who said that this thing is not true, you really got to start questioning that information yeah. that's like yes. oh i know a guy who's stationed at the science station in antarctica and he said you never want to do geothermal like what are you talking about like this is not helpful to me here in indiana or iowa or alaska right moving on now to our conversation on matt's most recent video which is from october 10th 2023 is this accidental discovery the future of energy question mark <laughs> this am i correct matt is this the video in which you've coined the term meat space it's <laughs> probably my favorite part of the script <laughs> uh, i actually questioned should i keep that in there yeah, i'm gonna keep that in there <laughs> i had not heard the term is it a term that you've heard used no okay so <laughs> I'm no. planting the flag for you right here, right now. You've coined the term meat space. The it, more I thought about it, I can't, the more I was like, I can't take credit for it. Though. I actually I can't okay. take credit for it though. Okay. Somebody on my team, somebody on my team put that in there and I was just like, that is brilliant. Yeah, that is brilliant. <laughs> I, the more I thought about it, I was like, oh my God, it actually makes so much sense. And I could actually understand. I could I picture somebody giving a Ted talk. In which yeah. they're like, and of course we have to balance out what we're putting investment wise into cyberspace versus what we're doing in the meat space <laughs> and having the audience go knowingly like, hmm, yes, meat yes, space, mm, mm, yes. investment meat in meat space. Uh, <laughs> and I want you to put on a t-shirt. You keep proving you are a t-shirt making machine. And this is <laughs> another case where I just want to see you walking down the street wearing a meat yeah, space, meat space. I live, in meat space. <laughs> I live in meat space. Just like <laughs> I'm a meat space explorer. Just like there. It, oh God. Meat space should be huge block letters, just like giant meat space. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, so 
a lot of this conversation around this is going to be a lot of speculation that's mm-hmm. unavoidable. And this is a research breakthrough. I love mm-hmm. the oopsie daisy nature of this. I love this stuff. Yeah. I love it. And as I said earlier, um, anybody got some snake oil? It's a little, huh? And it got me wondering in your research, you must come across so many, huh? breakthroughs that just don't pass your sniff test. And I'm wondering, would you care to share just one? Is there one, huh? Breakthrough that hasn't passed your sniff test that you still are like, okay, maybe five years from now, maybe they will do what they're claiming or maybe not. But like, (laughs) does anything jump to mind? There's two that come to mind. One I've already done a video on a couple of years ago, a company called NDB, I think that was their name. Uh, they created something called a nano diamond battery that was a nuclear battery that they claimed would last for like 20,000 years and it was going to power EVs and take over the world. And whoa, that did not pass my sniff tests at all. It's like, no, <laughs> kind of like this discovery. It only produced milliwatts of energy. And it's like, you're not going to be able to do an EV with this ever. It doesn't make any sense why they're claiming that. Um, and just recently news came out that NDB is being um, investigated by the federal government for fraud okay. for making claims that they can't cash. So right. they're in deep doo-doo. So uh, this goes back to kind of, I forget the name of the woman who made the claim of a medical uh yes breakthrough Ther- the theranos, where, theranos yeah. where you could like take one blood sample and be able to see everything and it turned out it was all just complete but hokum. but the stupidity of that example is that their technology is real and it works and it's not a crazy like it's it's all how they sold it it's like yeah. why were you saying this is gonna be the future of evs no but it could be great for internet of things devices and use in satellites and there's all these use cases that were like that yeah, that could be really cool and be very niche and specific but they made claims that were just like clearly just trying to get money another one that's more recent i have not done a video on it it had around gravity energy batteries i think gravity energy has a lot of interesting potential if people can figure out potential how to energy a real thing yeah yeah <laughs> um I like the way you just called that out. Yeah. Uh, but there's a company called Gravitricity that's been struggling on how they they had an original concept of how they were going to do it, but they've had to shift. Um, it was basically reusing old mine shafts, but they discovered that mine shafts aren't a great use case for this because they don't have the structural integrity that's needed. And mm-hmm. there's other things that were causing problems. And then there's another company, I can't remember what the name of it was, but they had this whole design of this basically gigantic structure where they just keep moving bo- blocks of concrete around. Mm-hmm. And uh, the original concept of that is like one of those that's like interesting idea. I don't think that's going to work, uh, but they're still iterating it and their iterations are looking more and more p- plausible, but the sniff mm-hmm. test is still a little like a uh, hinky for me. Right. Um, but I'm keeping my eye on it because all it takes is for them to kind of crack the nut on like some of these yeah. potential pitfalls of what they're doing that maybe they can figure it out. So it's like, I'm keeping an eye on them. Um, I don't feel like they're selling snake oil, but it's, it, it just may not work out, yeah. but yeah, there's definitely a lot of these things that bubble up 
And this video specifically, there was a question around, should we do this one? Because it's so early and so speculative. It's like, does this, is this on the bubble? And I opted no, mainly because it's legitimate research that has been vetted and it's, and it shows potential, but there's the fascinating part is there was an accidental discovery at the university. And then it was like, they still don't completely know what's happening here. Yeah. They know the result, but they can't, they have theories as to why it's happening, but nobody truly knows quite yet. And I love the fact that we're on the cusp of trying to discover what's going on here. I just, I just love that. Well, that's how x-rays were discovered as well. That's, I mean, the idea that somebody put photographic paper nearby a radioactive source, and then when yeah. they developed it, they realized, wait, something is, there's an image here that has occurred and eventually piecing together like, oh, I'm using th this metal seems to be doing something to this photographic paper. And that's how X-ray was discovered. Um, and of course, at that time, people were also researchers who were doing things like carrying radium around in their pockets and then getting cancer yeah. and dying. So, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes if you see like, hey, my photographic paper seems to be affected by this, maybe don't stand next to it or put it in your pocket and walk <laughs> around with it. Uh, you mentioned the student who helped initiate this research by simply forgetting to plug in the device and they recognized yeah. that there was electricity still being registered. I would like to ask our listeners and our viewers to put on their imagination helmets now and think about a future where somebody is touring the Smithsonian and they go into a section on the breakthrough energy production that is now just a standard energy use that everybody has in their phones and devices <laughs> where humidity is turned into electricity and and there's an image of one of the first researchers who was responsible for this and it's a picture of gary who simply forgot to plug in the device <laughs> and it's just gary like whoopsies like i i <laughs> what an ignominious uh way to get into the history books without yeah. this doofus forgetting to plug in the device we never would have had this breakthrough thanks gary for not remembering to do something basic i mean <laughs> Poor Gary. Let's, I was going to say, let's not throw Gary under yeah. the bus here. Yeah. I mean, he is a student and he is probably he is student, an incredibly yes. intelligent guy. Yes. So it's like he's played a big role in this. But yeah, I do get your point. That's pretty funny. But it's right up there with uh, Doc Brown falling off of his tub, hitting his head on the toilet and having the flux capacitor jump into his head. Yeah. Um, so you in one point you talk about the energy production here is uh, very, very limited. You're talking about nano energy production and you, I think it was very helpful to say enough energy is produced to illuminate a pixel on yeah. a screen. However, it might be helpful for a sense of scale. How many pixels are there on a screen? Let's say just a standard computer monitor. Oh, that's a good question. There's hundreds of thousands on a standard monitor. So it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sense of scale, it's very tiny. Yeah. So yeah. it might not even be something, if you're looking for energy production that you could see, I would argue you might not even be able to see that. Like, think of a screen that's you, un, you could. unpowered, you could. but one <laughs> pixel. One pixel. You think yeah. you could see one pixel? Have you ever had a screen that you've bought that has a defective pixel? <laughs> Because I have, probably you, you notice it. 
there's one random green pixel in the middle of your screen it's like uh okay there's also some speculation about like what could this mean like what's the sense of scale here what's the end product and you and you say what about the idea of being able to charge your phone anywhere i would even jump into deeper speculation wouldn't this potentially be a kind of tech that could be embedded in devices so that you would end up with energy being produced latently in the background and maybe slowing your need to even charge your device in the, if we're in sci-fi land yeah but it comes back to how much energy like the device that they did in the lab was so small yeah it's like how how many of those things would you need to be able to create enough current to charge your phone and would that fit inside of a phone so that's the big question it's like if they could do that right um but yeah it, it, if they in theory could figure out how to do that then yes you could have it's like putting solar panels on a car yeah where the solar panels by themselves aren't enough to charge the car up completely but Lengthen just leaving the battery charge parked all day yeah. right you add 10 miles into your car over the course of a sunny day when it's parked outside no that didn't charge it completely but that's you drive 10 miles home so it's like it just gave you enough charge to get home yeah in theory maybe yeah that's what i was that's what i was thinking and of course that goes back to scale it would have to yeah. be something you don't want to give up real estate in a phone for something that's no. not going to benefit it and you don't want to Correct. give up real estate in a phone that's going to increase the size of the phone to make it actually pointless to do in the first place but something or make it more expensive to the yeah. point where it doesn't make sense yeah right but to incorporate something like that in a laptop, if it was to yeah. increase, like if you went to a computer manufacturer and said, look, the batteries you have today last how long? 10 hours. What if we could increase that by 10% and it doesn't cost too much? Like, yeah. That I think, I think there would be computer manufacturers that would say, yeah, let's start figuring out how to fit that in. Um, yep. Cause any amount of increase of battery life especially if it can be doing it passively while the computer is off like i think that consumers would absorb those costs without much hesitation there were lots of comments on this one including this one from cataclysmic nothing who wrote in to say if you get electricity from humidity then wouldn't you say that it's coming from thick air instead of thin air <laughs> well done well, cataclysmic well done sir well done <laughs> there was also this which was in line with what we were just talking about jennifer hayden jumped in to say i think one use that could be helpful is turning on vent fans many people forget i do to turn on the vent fan after a shower a power source that only works in humidity could turn the fan on when the humidity is high and then run out of juice as the humidity is gone make some tricky calibration but once done it could have a lasting impact on reducing mold mildew and certain environments that's crazy I, I think that's genius jennifer i hate to say it i think you just gave away a million dollar idea yeah i was about to say if, if they figure this out that is yeah a yeah. million dollar idea right there i was like oh you my could, god jennifer put, jennifer, jennifer what did you do like vents yeah. in put, events put, in a home like wherever in the attic space in where, attic. yeah yeah in the attic or the basement no where just got a vent fan. You don't have to link it up to anything when it's too humid. I mean, just imagine the contractor saying like, look, we'll put these fans in here. They're not connected to anything. They detect the humidity. They run on the humidity. And when the humidity is gone, they turn themselves off. So win, win, win. And yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer, Jennifer. 
What are Jennifer, you doing? <laughs> they say don't read the comments, but Jennifer, maybe you shouldn't post on the comments because you're giving these ideas away for free. No, but be, keep, keep keep posting the comments. Yeah. <laughs> Paolo jumped in to say, this reminds me of an atmospheric electricity nanotube antenna from a couple of years ago. Nanotubes grown on a metal plate and placed on a pole a couple of hundred feet in the air. It worked on the voltage differential between it and the ground. They said it was generating tens of watts from a panel the size of half of a smartphone. So had you heard about that at all? No, no, that's, that's new to me. That's, that's trippy. (laughs) Maybe jot that down in your, uh, snake oil, but maybe not list. Yeah. John Appel shared this thought, the prospect of being able to use biological materials is pretty intriguing. Imagine being able to grow the battery films in a bioreactor. Solar punk writers take note. Trust me, John, they have, they have taken note. I loved the, they, the number of iterations that they researched punching holes in everything from everything. I mean, you (laughs) talked about wood fiber, uh, with silicone in there metals. Yeah. And then including growing things using bacteria. And that one was the one that I was suddenly like, Oh boy, hold back the fiction writer brain (laughs) because that's not the point of this podcast, but boy, that, I mean, just the, the idea that you could, let's say for a moment that there is something to the reaction that's happening here. You mentioned in the video, it's entirely possible that the reaction is happening could in fact be a type of metallurgical reaction that would be a form of corrosion, which means Mm -hmm. that this as a power source would effectively be breaking itself down and it would simply stop working. So it would be, it would be mood. Let's say that that is in fact what's happening. I can't help but wonder if that is what is happening, but your original source of creating the thing is bacterial growth. Could you create a medium where the bacterial growth is keeping these reaction going because it's regrowing what is eroding <laughs> Sean, Sean's science fiction writing brain is like yeah. going into overdrive right now He's I'm very just excited. like <laughs> I'm I'm on the verge of having to start working on book three of my sinister secrets series because the sinister secrets of sandwich is out now is the first book I'm currently working on revisions of the second book and I'm having to scout out ideas for book three. And I can't even begin to tell you how timely (laughs) this moment is for me in potentially leading to subject matter for book three. It is perfect. Brady Carlson jumped in with this comment. Hey, Matt. I think it would be really cool if you made a series where you go back through some of your older videos and show us where the technology is today and how it's played out after the time of posting. This is something Sean has asked for in the past and Sean always encourages and Matt always says, yeah, that's a great idea. And then it doesn't happen as often as we hope. Well, well, here's, here's why it doesn't happen as often as you'd hope. I do have, like, if you could see, I use Notion to maintain all the story ideas we're doing. And like, I have tickets for all this different stuff. And I have a bunch of tickets that are revisiting colon and then the name of the thing. 
like they're all on there. And whenever there's news items, we add the news new items to it. And it's kind of like I'm waiting for kind of like a critical mass of information to be able to turn around and make a video about like what's happened since the last time we talked about this. So it's like, I can't say to the scientist, Hey, speed up, chop, chop. I got to make a video. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm waiting on the stuff that's happening. But one of the things that we're going to be doing at the end of this year is we're going to be doing a, um, 2023 revisit of like the year, like what happened in 2023, what are the big things that we should kind of want to recap. So some of this can roll into that. So we might be just doing a big dump of a video that sounded awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> the end of the year that Let's, will uh, include the, some of this. The t-shirt ideas just keep rolling out of Matt's <laughs> mouth. Let's keep track of this. He just said they're going to take a big dump. And that's after he said earlier, without even realizing it, revisiting colon. So <laughs> listeners, what do you think? Let us know in the comments. Jump into the comments. As you can tell, the comments drive not only the content of this program, they drive the content of Matt's main program, and they even drive some of the content, apparently, of my fiction. So thank you so much for all of that. And if you'd like to support the show, please do consider leaving a review on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever it was you listened to this or watched us. Go back there, leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe and please do share it with your friends. All of those are great ways to support us. And if you'd like to more directly support us, you can go to stilltbd.fm, click the become a supporter button. It allows you to throw some coins at our heads. We appreciate the welts. And then we say things like revisiting colon. Thank you so much, everybody, for <laughs> spending your time with us. We'll talk to you next time.